We are five weeks into the NFL season, and I am Eric Smith, Editor-in-Chief at QBList.com, here to bring you the What We Saw podcast. Uh, hopefully my voice makes it through this entire podcast. I was screaming for a Bengals loss today, uh, lots of missed field goals. It was a wild game against the Packers, but it was good to be back out there at a game. I'm sunburned, I'm exhausted, uh, but let's do this. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about today, and I'm joined by Mike Miklius, as always, to recap. Uh, we'll talk Bengals, we'll talk Bears, we'll talk all the fantasy-relevant news of the week. So, Mike... How are you doing uh, at home in your air conditioning with your feet up while I was sweating away in the heat of uh, Cincinnati in October? Yeah, I, I do feel bad for you that you had to go to an NFL game and cheer on your team. It's a, it's a rough life. Um, I'm feeling all right. Justin Fields, you know, continues the Bears tradition of winning defensive battles where he puts up fewer than 150 passing yards. So nothing has changed in the 35 years I've been alive. <laughs> yeah, and um, I shouldn't complain about going to a game, although they did lose. So uh, very Bengals fashion. Uh, lots of craziness at the end. We went to overtime. Lots of fun. But um, hey, I, I guess it was a moral victory. We'll get more into that game later. So um, as always, we're not going to cover every last game here on the podcast. Um, you can go to the site, QBList.com for that. Check out our What We Saw article. We've got someone writing up every single game from a fantasy perspective. So please check that out for anything we miss. But uh, we always try to catch you up on the injuries, on some of the interesting snap counts, and then the games that Mike and I watched. So um, we will get into all that here in just a minute. But I wanted to start out with Mike and I's winners and losers for the week. Um, Mike, who is your winner to start things off here? Yeah, so my winner, I went with uh, James Robinson. Um, this game, it was all about the running backs. James Robinson, 18 carries, 149 yards, touchdown. He had one really nice run I saw where he he broke it open. Um, almost looked like he, he let up a little bit, like maybe he thought he scored the touchdown. But, yeah, he got caught from behind. Um, but still, he, he dominated the carries. He was in, you know, in the red zone. He almost lost a touchdown to Carlos Hyde after his big run, because they wanted to take him out and give him a breather. But he was getting all the work. Everything went through him. So, yeah, James Robinson's my big winner for today. Yeah, and the snap counts bared out. He had 48 to Carlos Hyde's 18. Um, it was interesting to see this after Hyde missed last week. Um, Robinson looked really good against the Bengals last week, and we were hoping that he would get all the work. And it does seem like Robinson's back to how he was last year for the most part. Um, he's an RB1, and uh, things are looking up for him. So, uh, kind of a war of attrition here at the Jaguars backfield. and He's the last one standing and things are looking good. So, um, yeah, I think that's a great call. I think I had Robinson ranked RB10 this week and was a little nervous about it. And it's it's looking smart. So uh, we're going to be starting him all season long. Um, my winner. And, you know, this was like the perfect storm here. Um, uh, matchup of just team situation. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But my winner is Kyle Pitts, the tight end for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, with, no Cal- uh, with no Calvin Ridley. Uh, just a, a bad receiving core in Atlanta um, with a perfect matchup against the Jets. He goes nine catches on 10 targets for 119 yards and a touchdown. Um, and again, it's not so much that like we're shocked that Kyle Pitts put this game up against a bad defense and with nobody else to throw the ball to other than the running backs in Atlanta. But I do think it was important to see that Pitts could kind of be the de facto number one receiver, which is what he was here um, with no Calvin Ridley on the field. So I don't know. I, I think things are really looking up for Pitts. We'll see if when Ridley comes back, if his target share drops down. But it's good to see him develop chemistry with Matt Ryan and look like the receiver that he is. I mean, he looked, you know, he kind of looks like Julio Jones out there sometimes. He's obviously not quite the player Julio Jones is, but like he's a freak. Um, and it's just really good to see him explode this week. So good things ahead. Um, what do you think about Pitts going forward? Is he going to live up to that crazy draft type coming into the year? 
Yeah, the interesting thing with Pitts is I think that was his first touchdown today. Yep. Um, and you kind of think of tight ends like, oh, I got to get those touchdowns. It looks like he's on pace for around 1,000 yards this season. So it's safe to say Kyle Pitts has arrived. It's, it's safe to say I'm going to take the L on the whole Kyle Pitts is not going to work out thing. You know, just betting on the history of rookie tight ends. Um, yeah, he, he's a big dude. From the little bit I've gotten to see of him, he's fast. He's, he's good at, at catching. Uh, he's just impressive. He's one of those guys where you watch him and you're like, that is a player. Like I, I can see what's special about him without even knowing anything about him. Yeah. And again, I mean, it is kind of a perfect storm. I mean, with Ridley out, Russell Gage has been out all year. There's just nobody to get the ball to. And they really haven't made much of an effort to get the ball to anyone else other than Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis. So um, as long as this keeps up and as long as Matt Ryan can kind of you know, show, show a little sign of life here. Um, things are looking up for Pitts. Exactly like you said, he's one of the rare non-touchdown dependent tight ends we're hoping. So uh, really good things there. Um, losers, Mike, you got a few here. So uh, they're all lumped into one, but who's your loser here for this week? Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's a team that was already a loser, and now they're just even more losery. Uh, I went with the New York Giants. So you take a team that's already a dumpster fire. Let's be honest. Nobody had any thoughts the Giants were anything good. Then you injure the quarterback, who wasn't even that good to begin with, but now you're down your quarterback. Then you injure your your top receiver, Kenny Galladay. Then Saquon Barkley, who's coming off injury, steps on somebody's foot after the play's over and has to be carted off. Like, man, somebody – like, Divine Powers hate New York because they just don't catch a break right now. And then, like, final little blow, Kadarius Tony, your rookie, is ejected for punching somebody. <laughs> this this is a brutal day for Giants fans. Like, yeah, the Jets, I know you've been miserable for a while, but the Giants had pretty much the worst day you could have. Yeah, it was rough. And um, Daniel Jones gets concussed running uh, a, a designed run on the goal line pretty much. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, yes, Jones is a good rusher, but maybe you shouldn't be using, you know, your franchise quarterback, or at least who you hope to be your franchise quarterback in such a reckless fashion. That was kind of what came to mind. Actually came to mind for me quite a few times during the Bengals game with Joe Burrow, but we'll get to that later. But um, so, yeah, not, I don't think it's real wise to keep using Daniel Jones as a running back, even if that is successful for your team. And then, yeah, the Barkley injury, that's a blow. Kenny Galladay, this was already a banged up receiver core. So, yeah, they're certainly running out of talent here. Um, do you think if we get Jones back next week, like, is there enough talent here? Or is this just like a complete stay away from a team until Sterling Shepard or Slayton or whoever comes back? You you keep calling Daniel Jones a, a franchise quarterback. <laughs> and I've got to, I got to take umbrage with that. Yeah. I'm not comfortable calling him a franchise anything. Um, I was doing and I think it's, here. I think it's a perfectly fine decision to run him recklessly ahead because you got to get what you can this year before you go get a new quarterback next year. So, you know, you're about to sell your car, give it away. You don't drive it carefully. You run that baby into the ground. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe, maybe maybe that was their strategy all along. So, yeah, <laughs> things are not looking good here in New York. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how many of these players are back next week. But I think uh, we'll get to the injuries, but it's pretty safe to say Barkley's going to be out for a little bit. So um, my loser here was Sam Darnold, and I, mean, I almost didn't pick him. It feels a little harsh because he has been so good this year, um, especially compared to how he was on the Jets. But – uh, this was kind of a reminder that we're not all the way there yet with Sam Darnold. Um, a, a very winnable game against the Eagles at home. Uh, he goes 21 for 37 for just 177 yards, one touchdown, uh, or I'm sorry, one interception, three sacks. Um, 
three interceptions, three sacks. So I got this all wrong. So yeah, three interceptions and three sacks and a, a game they definitely could have won. Um, it's a big blow for Darnold. I, I do think he can rebound, but um, the, there's still a lot of work to go here. And, you know, if he keeps showing too many of these flashes, they're going to start having second thoughts about long-term Sam Darnold in Carolina. So um, it's just it's kind of two steps forward, one step back so far this season. And now we just need to see him string together some more good games, but I'm um, really hurt the fantasy prospects of everyone around him this week. Um, will help to get, you know, Christian McCaffrey back eventually, but certainly a down week. He just did not take care of the ball. So what do you think with Darnold? Am I overreacting here or is it kind of like uh, maybe the league starting to figure him out in this new offense? Yeah, as you said, this was a very disappointing one. It felt like, oh, the Panthers will easily slide to four and one, and then everyone can kind of hype them up too much next week, even though we know it was a soft four and one. Um, yeah, it, it's just like, it feels to me, this is not a contender team. It's a, okay, they can be good or even really good, mm-hmm. but we know they're not the same thing as like Tampa Bay or Buffalo or Kansas City. This is just a team that's kind of whatever. Um and with the weapons Darnold has, yeah, this is super disappointing. Not hitting 200 yards, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson not getting more involved. He's got a good back in Java Harvard. I mean, yes, he's not McCaffrey, but yeah. that's enough weapons where you should be able to succeed here. So I'd, I'd be disappointed. Losing to anything in the NFC East that's not the Cowboys is always going to feel pretty bad. Yeah. And I wasn't super surprised. I mean, I, I pick five games every week for our beat the spread column uh, with a few other writers on staff. And I actually picked the Eagles plus four in this one. I just, I felt like these teams aren't that different. Uh, the Panthers and the Eagles, um, they're still learning and, and turning into a complete team here. We just, you know, the Panthers started out hotter, but um, I thought it was going to be a pretty close game and there was a blocked punt. Um, it could have turned out differently for sure, but just uh, especially from a fantasy perspective, uh, disappointing here for Darnold because he was, he was a, a stud through the first four weeks. So um, I guess if he's not getting those rushing touchdowns, maybe we can't quite trust him from week to week. So um, yeah. All right. Well, those are our winners and losers for the week. Let's get on to injuries. Uh, Mike already touched on quite a few of the giants injuries, but uh, the big one, obviously, Saquon Barkley sprained his ankle. I believe they said it was a low ankle sprain, but it swole, it was swollen really badly after the injury. Um, he's going to at least miss this week, I'm sure, and it could be more than that. So we're going to be without Barkley again, just as he was starting to look like the Barkley of old. So that's a downer. Um, when he was out, Devontae Booker dominated the snaps. I think he had like 60 snaps, and uh, next was like six snaps. So he took over. Um, also for the Giants, Kenny Galladay suffers a knee injury. I think he hyperextended it, uh, just further depletes that receiving core. And then Daniel Jones with a concussion, like we said, uh, it looked like a bad concussion. He was wobbly coming off the field. So uh, I, th- I think probably the passing game's a mess for a while. Uh, what do you think, Devontae Booker? Are you going out there and getting him off waivers, or is he just not talented enough to be worth your time? Yeah, I'd be interested if I need a running back because I don't think Barkley's going to be rushed back this I mean, behind closed doors, the Giants GM and and the the staff know that this team is terrible. They know this season is lost. It's hopeless. Um, So they're not going to rush him back because he's still that really high draft pick they spent. It's still embarrassing for the team every time he comes out and looks bad or every time he comes out and gets hurt. So I I would be interested in Booker. I don't think the team is great. I've made my thoughts clear on that already. Um, But this this is a a backfield, and backfields are valuable. So if Devontae Booker is going to get most of the target or most of the touches, or even half of them, yeah, I would I would spend on him. Yep. I mean, he ran 30 routes in this game. I was most on the team, uh, four targets, 16 carries. So we know he can catch the ball a little bit. Uh, maybe you get kind of a, a stretch here, kind of like Mike Davis last year. Maybe not that good, but you know, getting some dump offs, getting some 
some rushes, some goal on carries. So yeah, he's going to be worth picking up, I believe. Here's um, the uh, here's the real question on that one. How much? What percent of Kenny Galladay's contract do you think he would give back if he <laughs> could pick a different team to sign with in the offseason? I mean, the the Giants might be questioning it at this point too. They might <laughs> maybe they can just part ways and just start from scratch here. Um, yeah, it's a bad situation. I mean, we had all those teams in the offseason we were hoping he'd go to, you know, like the Packers or someone. And, oh, yeah. Uh, for fantasy purposes, this is a pretty much a disaster. But this is two straight years he hasn't really been able to stay on the field. So it's it's starting to get uh, concerning from that end, which is odd. He, I don't know. He's a younger player, and I don't think he'd had injury issues before. So hopefully it's just a bad luck stretch here. But, yep, he's uh, really falling down the uh, the fantasy dynasty charts, I would say, going forward. Um, next up injury for the Bengals. And I couldn't even tell you how severe this is. It sounds horrible, but, um, Joe Burrow, uh, went to the hospital after the game with a throat contusion. His status is unclear. I don't know if that's an external or internal thing. Um, I hope he's okay. That's about all the news we have. So we'll see if he's available this week. He didn't talk with the media afterwards because he has a throat contusion. So, um, another game where Burrow gets beat up. We'll talk more about that later. Um, we'll go to the Patriots backfield. Damian Harris was in and out of the second half with a chest injury. Um, also worth, worth noting, he fumbled near the goal line. I think at this point, all the Patriots running backs have fumbled though. So I don't think they can bench him, but, um, with Harris out, um, in the second half, Brandon Bolden leads the way with 24 snaps, Stevenson, Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson with 22, Damian Harris with 21. So, uh, I don't think it was quite the three man backfield that makes it look like part of it was the injury, but, this is starting to get pretty muddled and they didn't even have JJ Taylor playing. So um, is this a big concern for Harris or is this just kind of a bad luck injury against the, you know, the Texans, which they really could have run up the score maybe. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, We'll have to see how it's looking. And the worst part here is we know Bill Belichick, if, if he can use this to say, Oh, he's not going to be available. He's going to milk that. And, then Harris will start this week and, you know, he'll have 30 touches because no one game plan for Harris. Yeah. Um, it's just going to make this all the more unpredictable. I, it's never a backfield I liked. I, I, hey, Harris was kind of starting to take the lead, but now he's going to be so hard to trust this week. Like, yeah. man, of all the things you could bet on, that is not one I would want to get anywhere near. Yep, and we'll have to get some more news on that injury for sure. I, I still do think there's hope for Harris this season. He's still the one I want, but yeah, this is not a good series of events here. So a um, couple quick hitters here. Uh, Taysom Hill was carted off with a concussion. Not a ton of fantasy implications there. And then Curtis Samuel left the game with a groin injury. Um, it's the same injury that's been plaguing him all offseason. I, I think this is a pretty uh, serious issue at this point, and you probably could use that roster spot on someone else. I hate to move on from Curtis Samuel with all of his upside, but uh, he just can't seem to get right right now. So um, I don't know. Are you still holding on to Curtis Samuel or are you freeing up the roster spot here? This hurts. He's the one I've most bought in on, on, on any player like that wasn't a bear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. He's, he's useless this year because the offense doesn't look that good in Washington. Yep. He's not the top receiver. He's not a top two weapon there because we know Antonio Gibson's, you know, higher on the, the pecking order than him, even if he's completely healthy and, he just can't stay healthy. So, yeah, there's there's no reason to hold on to him. Yep. All right. Yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster Smith goes uh, to the hospital with a shoulder injury. He already had a rib injury, so he's banged up. We'll have to monitor his status as well. And then finally, uh, Russell Wilson was hurt on Thursday night football, but uh, we now know that he's going to miss multiple weeks. A fractured and dislocated finger and a torn tendon um, underwent surgery. He is targeting a Week 10 return. Uh, they've speculated it could even be longer than that, but he'll he'll fight to get back out there. Uh, Gita Smith's going to be the quarterback. Um, I don't know what all there is to say really here. It's obviously a massive downgrade for this offense. I, 
assuming they're just going to try to run the heck out of the ball while Wilson's out. Um, is there anything to take away here other than downgrade Lockett and Metcalf? Yeah, I, I think Metcalf will be all right because he is the biggest, fastest target. Yeah. And if, if you bring in a bad quarterback, I think he just leans on the best target. I think this will hurt Lockett. I think it'll hurt the run game too because, as you said, they're going to be more predictable now. You kind of just have to run the ball. Um, yeah. yeah, so Metcalf will be fine, I think. It's obviously a little downgrade, but it's going to hurt Lockett. It's going to hurt the running game. And Geno Smith had some flashes in that second half. Um, he did seem to prefer DK Metcalf, but we'll see. It was only one game. So uh, that's most of the major injuries here. Um, obviously, some will pop up on Monday and Tuesday, but um, we'll keep you updated with those. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to some quick snap counts here. Um, wanted to look around some of the running back situations across the league. I'll throw out a bunch here and then just uh, get some quick takeaways on these Um Broncos backfield, I think Javante Williams was starting to close the gap, and it looks like it's gone right back to uh, Melvin Gordon, 36 snaps, Javante Williams, 25. So uh, he's still playing behind Gordon for the most part. Um, Falcons backfield, uh, it's gotten a lot narrower now. Mike Davis, 50 snaps, Cordell Patterson, 46. That gap has narrowed. Uh, We're at a full-blown committee here now between the two of them. Um, The Dolphins' backfield just flips right back to where it used to be. Uh, Miles Gaskin leads the way with 37. Salvin Ahmed with 11. Malcolm Brown with five snaps. Um, That's pretty much the opposite of what we saw last week where Gaskin disappeared. Um, Also, for the Buccaneers, uh, it's pretty much Leonard Fournette's show right now, 46 snaps. Giovanni Bernard, 17. Ronald Jones, 10. Uh, I think you can move on from Jones if you have not already. And then finally, in San Francisco, it's all Elijah Mitchell, 44 snaps, Trey Sermon, just two. Um, that is, it's still shocking the way the 49ers use draft picks on players and then just don't play them. But I guess we should have seen this coming. So um, out of these running back uh, situations, uh, what are your thoughts here, Mike, uh, after this week's results? Yeah, I think Denver and Atlanta are most, I would be most confident in betting on those staying similar to where they were today. Like, Javante Williams could steal more work if he has one of those blow-up games, but I don't think Melvin Gordon's going anywhere. Um, Mike Davis, Cordell Patterson, again, I imagine it's going to kind of stay in that split. It's working, so why change it? You know, I don't think either one's good enough to just take over. Um, I think they both benefit from being the half guy and just kind of getting to to pick their spots. Um, Dolphins backfield, as I said last week, I'm still not interested. Gaskin just doesn't seem like a special talent to me. And I think we could see this flip in another week. You know, if Gaskin does something wrong or is just rushing poorly, somebody else, um, Ahmed Brown, could take over. Um, San Francisco, that hurts. I'm a big, I'm a big sermon guy, and seeing Elijah Mitchell just crush him today is just, yeah, it's it's brutal. Yeah, I, I don't know why the snap share is that different there. Um, I guess I would say Javante Williams, again, this is two straight weeks with a big run. Um, and he's getting about three or four targets a game. So there's some promising signs here, but I, I we're not at the point where we can start him right now. He even didn't come through in some perfect matchups. So um, Gaskin, I mean, he had 10 targets. I mean, he had a really nice fantasy day. Uh, I, I think if he was if he hit waivers on some leagues, um, I would pick him up and I would roster him. He's just going to be t- tough to trust, but uh, really looks good for Leonard Fournette going forward. Uh, it's, that was not someone I was drafting, and Fournette's kind of uh, got a nice situation here. So uh, I think he's in good shape. If you've got him, you can probably start him going forward. So, um, okay, that's uh, some of the quick hitters on the running backs around the league. Um, tight end, I only have one here, uh, but it's Dan Arnold for the Jaguars. Um, he's 
he's their full blown starting tight end and saw uh, eight targets today. So played a bunch of snaps, ran a bunch of routes. So if you're desperate in a deep, deep league, uh, Dan Arnold's out there and he, I think he had the most targets on the Jaguars this week. So that's interesting. Um, and then the Jets receiving core, I thought was worth bringing up because uh, they've had, they're kind of all back to full health now. And I was curious how these targets and snaps were going to go. Um, Corey Davis, he's seeing the most snaps. Um, he saw the most targets with seven. Jameson Crowder was next up in both snaps and targets. Um, and then even Keelan Cole played ahead of Elijah Mitchell and had uh, three targets to Mitchell or Elijah Moore, excuse me. Um, so Keelan Cole, Cole had more snaps and targets than Elijah Moore, who had just two in his game back. And even Denzel Mims was on the field. So it's kind of a, a committee here behind Corey Davis. And I guess Crowder, he's pretty involved. But um, any interest in a Jags tight end or any of these Jets receivers or is he just staying away here? As you said with Arnold, I mean, you, you kind of just ride the hot hand at tight ends. And if he's getting looks right now and the offense is playing to him, great. I, as soon as he looks bad, I'm not going to hesitate to just throw him away again. Because, again, that's how tight end works. You look for a hot hand, you stick with him until he's not hot, and then you move on. Um, Jets receivers, way too many names for an offense I don't trust. Yeah, I, I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. I I heard one of our Jets fans in-house compared him to uh, rookie Josh Allen. And I thought rookie Josh Allen was pretty horrible. <laughs> so to hear that comparison is, is a bad sign for me. And these names just aren't special enough. Like Denzel Mims is a guy I loved, but you can just tell something isn't right there. Yep. Whether it's him physically, mentally, the relationship with the team, they won't say it, but you know something has gone wrong with that pick. So it's it's a hard team to trust. Yeah, and I, I admittedly did not see this week's Jets game, but um... – that the offense right now is just kind of at least in the passing game it's very big play dependent it's very like out of structure like you know Wilson running around making plays downfield and it's really hard to trust anyone for that so I thought we were going to be able to trust Crowder a little more um four catches 24 yards though that's he's just getting you know there's too many other options right now I think so even Crowder we probably need to downgrade a little bit uh, so yeah I, I think I'm staying away from that receiving core. I, I do think Corey Davis is still the best name. You can probably start him. I just, I don't know if the breakout's coming. So, all right, let's get into the games that we watched this week. Um, obviously, I was at the Bengals Packers game. So, let's start with that one. Uh, Packers win 25 to 22 in overtime. Um, this is how the game ended. I'm sure you've seen the highlights by now, but um, Mason Crosby missed a 36 yard field goal with two minutes and 19 seconds left in regulation. Um, then the Bengals kick, kicker, Evan McPherson, um, he hit the post from 57 yards out, uh, 26 seconds left. Um, then the end of regulation, right after that, Crosby missed a 51-yarder. Um, first play of overtime, Joe Burrow was intercepted, and Mason Crosby missed a 40-yard field goal. Um, Evan McPherson missed a 49-yard field goal in overtime that would have won it. That was just a hair wide. It was very close, and he actually thought he made it at first. And then finally, um, Mason Crosby wins it with a 49-yarder. Uh, he had missed three straight before that. Um, it was an insane ending. So, uh, yeah, that is why my voice is going right now. But um, lots of, lots of uh, time with Rodgers on the field, trying to get some false starts. Um, so, overall, I would just say uh, I'm still not super impressed with this offense, their play calling, their play design. Uh, Jamar Chase looked great. Um, he had a long touchdown on uh, when Burrow was buying time. Um, and then almost had another one on a spectacular catch that he was down uh, just barely, um, but got up and ran it for a long touchdown, but they called it back. So uh, Jamar Chase had a big day. Um, he looks really good. He looks pretty clearly the number one receiver here. Um, it was T. Higgins' first game back from injury, so I don't think it's, you know, I don't, I don't think T. Higgins is going away here. I think he's going to see better days. But 
Um, this was certainly Jamar Chase's day, and he's just he's put together enough good weeks now. I think we have to believe it. Um, I will say that both Chase and Higgins had one bad drop each on kind of an out route where they tried to head up field uh, before they caught it, and they were both pretty big drops. Um, but other than that, the receivers were good. Um, they just they never looked Tyler Boyd's way over the middle of the field, which was odd. Uh, I just I don't think they were using him properly. And I don't know why. I mean, he looks Boyd looked so good last week against the Jaguars over the middle of the field in that comeback. So I don't know why they went away from Tyler Boyd. Um, he sees five targets. Uh, Higgins saw ten. Jamar Chase or uh, Higgins saw seven. Jamar Chase saw ten. So I would have liked to have seen more Boyd and less CJ Uzama, uh, Drew Sample, um, Samaje Pirine in the passing game. So um, other than that, with the passing game. I, I think Burrow just tried to do too much today. Um, he forced an interception uh, earlier in the game. I threw a really bad pass later in the game for an interception in overtime. Um, he just he was just trying to make too many plays when it wasn't there. Even the play he got hurt on, he took off scrambling and just didn't protect himself at all. Uh, took a real big shot and had to leave the game briefly. So uh, he was just trying too hard. They need, to, they need to make sure he protects himself and find a way to protect himself better. So – um, do you have any takeaways from this passing game? I mean, I think fantasy purposes, it's fine. I'm just, as a Bengals fan, I'm still pretty skeptical here of this coaching staff and of the play calling. Yeah, I think uh, Joe Burrow show, showed a lot of good. Um, I generally like what I see out of him as a quarterback. Um, yeah. The the one interception, woof, it was it was really bad. He threw it over the middle. I didn't even see a receiver. And as soon as he threw it, I was like, man, he threw it right to that defender. And then I was like, almost thinking I must have missed something or I must not have like, like I'm, I'm not as smart as him, so he must have seen something I didn't, and it went right into the defender's hands, and it was just, oh, never mind, okay. Um, and as you said, Chase, yeah, I thought he almost had, I think it was like a 60 or 70 yard catch. It would have added on to his day. It would have been like 220 and two touchdowns, and everybody would be talking about Chase today. But as it is, you know, Devonte Adams caught slightly more yards, so who cares about Chase? Um, <laughs> here's my question for you. Do you think now is a good time to buy T Higgins because he had the slow day and Chase just killed him stat wise? And if you were to rank the two of them, how far apart would you rank them? Uh, I think, yes, I would go after Higgins. I think Boyd's really the one who's going to get squeezed out here. So yes, I would buy low on Higgins. Um, like I said, first game back from an injury. I think he's going to be fine. He looked so good last year. They have a connection. Uh, I, I guess for redraft purposes, um, I don't know how different I would have them ranked. Uh, Chase is definitely ahead. Um, so he's he's probably more of like a back-end wide receiver, high-end wide receiver two for me, while Higgins is lower-end wide receiver two, maybe in that range. So there's a little bit of a gap, but I do think they're going to – it's going to clo- get closer, and I don't expect Jamar Chase to score a touchdown every single week. So that's going to regress at some point. So I, I think the biggest gap is between them and Tyler Boyd right now. I just – I don't know if we can trust Boyd on a week-to-week basis. Um, from Dynasty perspective, like I – think there's a little bit bigger of a gap. I, I think this is Jamar Chase's passing game. I think he's going to be the number one for quite a while here. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but it's interesting because in a redraft, if you were to offer somebody like Chase for Higgins, they'd be like, oh, yeah, smash except as fast as I can. But I, I agree with you. For this year, I don't think they're that different. If Higgins is healthy, which I, I don't know how big of an if that is, it seemed like he was all right today and it was just kind of getting back in stride. But if he's healthy, I don't see too much difference this year because, you know, Higgins is a little more polished. Chase has obviously the higher upside. And as you said, in Dynasty, Chase is the slam dunk here. But, yeah, yeah um, if, you could, if you could move Chase and get Higgins and something else, say a running back or fill another need, it's, a, it's an interesting thought. 
Yeah. And I mean, you know, Chase goes six for 159 and a touchdown, but I mean, 70 of that was, like I said, it was on a play that bro bought time, bought time, bought time and hit, hit, hit Chase downfield. So like you take that play away. Um, it's, you know, it's still five for, you know, 80 or so, but, um, it, it looks a little different. So yeah, right. I, I think they're a lot closer than probably a lot of people would say. Um, so yeah, otherwise, um, this offensive line still struggling. Um, Burrow was sacked three times, uh, took some shots as usual. There was a play where Tyler Boyd was wide open over the middle of the field, just like blown coverage. And, um, Burrow just had someone right in his face and just couldn't, I mean, there's no way he was going to find Boyd on that play. So, um, the, the offensive line still an issue. Um, Joe Mixon played today, but obviously wasn't hundred percent, although he did look good on all of his touches. So, uh, Samaj P Ryan sees 41 snaps, um, 11 carries Joe Mixon, nine, only 19 snaps, but sees 10 carries. Uh, Chris Evans only played seven snaps. So uh, like I said, Mixon looked good. I don't think it's a long-term injury. I think we'll be fine here, but they're clearly trying to ease him back in this week. So, uh, otherwise, like, I don't know, this running game is just, they're not that good. They're, they're not making that much room in the, in the running game. So it's, it's more of a volume thing out of these running backs. And, um, the, the passing game work is going to be nice. Like some Ajay Piran saw some catches, but, um, once point or once Mixon's back, that's not going to be a, a normal thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know before I get to the Packers, any questions on the Bengals offense here? No, as you said, I just chalked up Mixon to still getting healthy. I, I love his talent, so I'm never going to yeah. question him too much. Uh, you could say I got blinders for Mixon, but yeah, yeah I, I think that covers it all. His touchdown run was really nice. He had a nice cut and juked the defender out of his shoes pretty much. So, um, Otherwise, on the Packers side, like it, it's pretty wild watching Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in person. Like um, At one point, it was like first – half and I was like man they need to be giving the ball to Adams more why are they giving why are they running so much why are they throwing to the running back so much and I, I looked at my phone and Adams had 100 yards receiving it's like it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable um, he catches a long pass for 59 yards here at 16 targets like he's just unstoppable but I will say this Packers offense like the Bengals defense played really well um, they held them in this game the entire game um, they gave them trouble, and like there's nothing on this Packers offense other than Devontae Adams and the running game. Um, even Aaron Jones, his 103 yards rushing, like 57 came, uh, I believe, last drive of the fourth quarter on a 57-yard run. So even the running game wasn't quite there. Um, I think the Packers are going to be in trouble if they can't get someone else in the passing game going by the end of the season. They'll, they'll be fine now and in the regular season, but if they want to be like the Bucks or, you know, some of the best NFC teams, they need someone other than Adams. Cause there was just, you look at the stat sheet and uh, basically the number two receiver was AJ Dillon, which we'll get to in a little bit. But um, I, you've seen the Packers a lot more than me, Mike, do you think um, this is an issue with passing game or am I just kind of overblowing it? Cause Adams is just so good here. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think this would be, it, it's tough because I don't think the Packers are the kind of team to make an all in push. Yeah. I think they know they're a smart, a small market, and they kind of just live with the we'll we'll try our best within reason with the money amount of money we feel safe spending, and that's all we're gonna do. Like if this team made a push and said, "All right, we're moving picks. We're gonna go get another premier receiver. We're gonna put Adams and this other dude up in, against anything, and we're just gonna rip it apart because we have a Hall of Fame quarterback," you know. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I, this has been the same problem as always. You let Devontae Adams kind of run wild. He can only catch so many balls. And what's the result? The Packers barely beat the Bengals. Like, no offense to the Bengals, but the Packers should be a premier team. You've got one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And you're barely sneaking past the Bengals team with, you know, a quarterback who's still learning, still figuring out who he is. Um, 
And it, it's funny what you said about Adams because the announcers during the game at one point were like, why don't they just double cover Adams? And it's like, well, clearly I think they're trying. They know Devontae Adams is killing them. Yep. If anybody says anything to the contrary, you know, let's let's introduce him and we'll we'll, we'll punch him in the face because everybody in the world knows Devontae Adams is killing the Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> Even that 59-yard catch, he just outran two defenders. I mean, he just ran. He was just faster than them. So, yeah. I mean, other than that, though, with no Marquez Valdez Scantling, I mean, this these receivers. I mean, Alan Lazard did nothing. Two catches for six yards. I mean, you've got Mercedes Lewis catching passes. Robert Tunyon's disappeared. You can drop him. He, two targets, one catch. So, uh, Cobb had a big catch down the stretch, but uh, he's not providing a whole lot either. So. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting in the running game though. It, it felt like AJ Dillon was involved more. If you look at the stat sheet, it's 44 snaps for Aaron Jones, 21 for AJ Dillon, but, um, he was really involved early. AJ Dillon was, um, had some really nice catches in the passing game. I was impressed. He, he catches four on four targets for 49 yards and a touchdown. Um, the Bengals had a really good run defense in this game. So they bottled him up on the ground, but, um, Dillon got a lot of run early. He looked good in the passing game. Um, I don't know. It's still probably going to take an injury here uh, to Aaron Jones for him to be useful, but I, I still think A.J. Dillon looks really good, and he could blow up if, if something happens here. Let me ask you on this one. What do you think? And I, I would hate this as a Bears fan, but yeah, I feel the need to throw it out there. Yeah. What do you think of the Packers trading, let's say, like, I don't know, even know what it would take, maybe a third to get Odell Beckham? Now, yeah, Odell Beckham nice. might suddenly find out how to play again <laughs> if he was playing with Aaron Rodgers. That could just be the most, like, insane and infuriating trade if it happened. Uh, that might work. I thought you were going to say Allen Robinson, so uh, you went a different direction there. So They'll have to pay up for him. The Bears aren't going to give that him away for free. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's too late for them to make a move, though. Um, you know, I, I think if they had made one, they would have done it this offseason. Randall Cobb was their big move, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, other than that, I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers is good. Devontae Adams is good. This, this was pretty pretty typical here. But I do think A.J. Dillon, uh, dynasty leagues, he's still very intriguing. And we'll see what happens the rest of this year because he's a good player. So, um, all right, yeah, it was a disappointing loss. And I, I kind of come away with a lot of questions about this coaching staff and the play calling. But um, other than a couple bad plays, Burrow still looks good. We just, man, we just got to keep him healthy. <laughs> so I hope he's all right. That's all I can say. So, all right, let's get on to another three and two team. Uh, Chicago Bears played the Raiders. Bears win twenty to nine. Um, I'm in, I'm almost more interested about the Bears defensive side of this. But um, go ahead and start us off with the uh, the Bears offense here. Yes, yeah, so you had, you had a disappointing loss where you got to see your team excel but just fall short. I had a disappointing win where I got to see the team not excel and still still somehow win, which I guess is good because we don't have our first round draft pick anyways. So we might as well win every game we can. Like. Let's just not give the team we traded with anything. You know, the Giants don't need a draft pick. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Bears offense just kind of never really got moving. Um, they, they they attempted 20 passes, 109 yards net. Uh, it was, you know, this is classic Bears. We, we thought it would be different with fields, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Um, the pass protection is ugly. Pass protection has been terrible all year, and it remains terrible. Um Fields was getting chased around regularly, got sacked twice, took a big hit at one point. Uh, he got knocked out. I think it was two plays. It was it was pretty minor. Um, he was kind of grabbing his leg a little bit. Then he just walked off normally. Then a play or two later, he just walked back on normally, and everything was fine, and everybody forgot about it. Um, seemed like the announcers kind of wanted to panic for a moment, and then they realized, like, oh, this really isn't a big deal. We can't, we can't overblow this. 
On the other hand, with the Bears, the running game has been really good. Uh, Montgomery was killing it, and I think everybody thought, like, wow, Montgomery is, you know, becoming a stud. And then today we saw Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams kind of killing it. And then maybe the lesson is, all right, the Bears are just run blocking really well this year. Um, and it's funny because that offensive line, when blocking for the pass, it looks terrible. It looks like one of the worst in the league. And when it's blocking for the run, I would call it a really good or great run, like line. So it's, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's bad for the pass game. It's great for the run game. And on that note, I really like Khalil Herbert. I think he's a great ad. He took more carries than Williams. He didn't see any pass game work, but I think there's enough here with running because we know the Bears want to just kind of fight and struggle to get these 20 to 9 kind of wins. And as as long as they don't blow up against somebody and just give the game away, there's going to be work for Herbert. Yeah, so, I mean, he actually led the team in snaps at running back 34. Damian Williams saw 31. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Williams gets – three targets which actually isn't that bad when you're only throwing 20 times uh, catches two for 20 um they're both good on the ground though 18 for 75 for herbert and 16 for 64 and a touchdown for williams so um if you already got williams on your roster are you worried now about herbert or do you think there's enough to go around here for both of them to be kind of flex plays or what do you think kind of this is going to shake out going forward as yeah, that's a good question if i got williams i'm not going for herbert because i don't think it's worth the double dip like I would just take my chances with Williams and stick with him. Um, I, I kind of advised against really putting an all in play on him. So if you didn't get Williams last week, I think Herbert's worth a bigger push. Uh, I like his talent a lot more. I think he shows more as a runner. He's got some flash. He, he's good at hitting the holes and he's good at finding the right holes. Um, the problem is going to be with this offense is they still have a bad pass defense. They still have a bad secondary and good pass offenses have a chance to just torch this team. And if the Bears fall down by 14, I don't think they'll run the ball again. Just from what I've seen in the past, I think as soon as they go down two touchdowns, it's going to be like, all right, we don't we don't run the ball. That doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it is going to depend on how many, how many points this team can score. And, uh, you know, I guess right. as far as the receivers here, um, it doesn't look like – Darnell Mooney has taken over for Allen Robinson as a wide receiver one, but neither of them very inspiring here for fantasy perspective. Uh, three catches for Mooney, four for Robinson. Uh, is this just the new normal for Robinson? Should we just kind of have him as a wide receiver two going forward and, you know, hope for some big days here or there? Yeah, I, I thought he actually looked pretty good. They both just suffered because of the volume. If this was a more normal passing day, let's even just call it 200 yards. I think their stats probably both about double. And if they both finish with around five to eight catches and 60 to 70 yards, I, it, it's like, all right, that's fine. It's not great, but I can live with that. Um, I do think Mooney looks about as good as Robinson right now, which is tough because this offense can't support two guys. So yeah. it, it could be a bit of kind of picking and guessing which one's going to have the big week. Um but I, I think Mooney's on the way up. Robinson is looking better now. The first couple of weeks, I think he was a little checked out, probably a little upset he didn't get his money. And I don't blame him. Um, you know, he's been playing with horrible quarterbacks his whole career, and he finally has a chance to get his money, and nobody wants to pay him. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be tough because when passing games like this happen, and we said the same thing with Trubisky last year, and I hate that I just said that. <laughs> but some days the passing game is just going to shrink, and there's not going to be enough for anybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, I think as long as they're, you know, I mean, Nagy's coaching for his job, as long as they're three and two, they're still competitive. I don't think they're just going to open this up with fields, right? It's going to be ball control, try to grind out wins. It'd be one thing if they were, you know, four and nine and just trying to get field some reps here, but I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. I, they, they've got a formula. They probably think it's working pretty well and I, they're going to stick with this, right? Yeah. And the, the bad news is they're going to play green Bay next week. And games against Green Bay don't tend to go all that well for Chicago recently. <laughs> and then the week after that, they play at Tampa Bay, which is just brutal because that is like a team you don't want to run against. Yep. Then they'll take on the Niners. I haven't seen a lot of the Niners, but again, I don't think of them as a bad team. So it's yep. not going to be an easy road ahead for this Bears team. Yeah. I mean, Niners just slowed down Kyler Murray. So, um, yeah, that's a tough schedule. It will be curious. That'll be a good test against the Packers to see if they open things up a little bit. So hope they do for fantasy purposes, but I do get it. I mean, Fields got hit so much that first game. You got to protect them. So, um, okay. Um, yeah. I don't know if you got anything else on the bears or if you just want to go over to the uh, Raiders offense now, because this was a, a pretty massive dud here from them. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll jump to the Raiders. So the Raiders had a lot of missed opportunities. Um, they, some of them were Derek Carr's fault. Some of them were his receivers fault. I, I think it was more Carr's fault. Um, after week three, I think it was when they were three and oh, during the pregame, they were like, man, Carr, you know, he never gets the credit he deserves. He's one of those stud quarterbacks and nobody sees it or says it. And in my head, I was like, really? Like, we all believe he's a stud quarterback. Like he's a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes or one of those guys. Like, I don't, I don't think that's right. And today you saw why he's not. He, he floated a few passes that, you know, if he had just put a, a little touch on him, he would have had some big plays. Uh, he missed at least a pair of like wide open guys where he just overthrew it. He just floated it on him. Um, there were two connections with Brian Edwards. One, he hit Brian Edwards right in the hands. So I do feel for Carr on that one. Probably would have been like a 50 plus yard touchdown because it looked like he was behind the defense and there was nobody in the way. The other one, Edwards was open. It was on a fourth down. It was a big play and Carr. It looks like he got a little jittery and he just overthrew him pretty badly. Um, yeah, Carr is is not a stud. He's good. He's going to have good games because he can accrue stats, and he's got a lot of guys who can make big plays like Ruggs and Waller and Edwards. Um, but the, the problem is, you know, if somebody gets a hand in his face, and the Bears got after him pretty well today, he's he's going to get jittery. He's going to get jumpy. He's going to make some bad plays. Yeah. And I mean, it looks like, I, I think it went pretty much as expected. This was a down game, but as far as the receiving core, uh, we can trust Renfro is like a PPR guy. We can trust Waller, obviously. I mean, he had a down game, but he's still a good tight end. Um, Henry Ruggs is a big play threat, but he's going to be a little up and down. So uh, this is two straight weeks. Josh Jacobs has had like four or five catches. I think that's encouraging. He's basically taken over and Kenyon Drake is like nowhere to be found now, which is bizarre because they gave him so much money in the off season. But even with Peyton Barber not playing, this was all Jacobs. Uh, he took the passing game work. You th would think they would give to Kenyon Drake. So um, I don't know anything out of this running game here, or is it just kind of uh, kind of garbage time work that, uh, that yeah, so is getting? This is uh, <laughs> I should, I, I should have mentioned the running game, but how many times would you guess this team has run for a hundred yards in a game as a team this year? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess zero. <laughs> They've done it once. They did have once, one okay. game with 140 yards. It was overtime. So they got some extra time uh, to get there. It's the Ravens. That that's the only game this year where they had more than 82 rushing yards. Oh, 
So this this rushing game has been anemic, and clearly they're going to sprinkle in a little bit of other guys. Like Kenyon Drake is going to get a little bit of work. So if the team can't get to 100, I, I like Jacobs, but the ceiling is just not there for him right now. Yeah, so 15 for 48 and a touchdown. Like I said, I mean, it does help that he's had some catches two weeks in a row. So that is encouraging, but I'm not sure if I would bank on that sticking for very long. So, um, all right, anything else we need to know, fantasy perspective from this game, or is it just kind of a, a sloppy mess that it looks like in the box score? Yeah, it's a sloppy mess, and it, it's probably worth noting some of it could be because of the whole John Gruden thing. Um, without getting too much into that, that is a distraction, and – who knows? I, I, I think this team is just what it is. It's about a 500 team. Yeah. But if you are a believer in the Raiders, you could say they were distracted and, you know, they're going to bounce back next week. Yeah. And it's just tough for Carr. I mean, he's been so good this year, and we always get questions and sit start. Like, how are you guys calling him a sit? It's like, well, it's not that he's bad. It's just there's 15 other good quarterbacks ahead of him. You know, he's just <laughs> he's, he's never going to rise up that high in the rankings. So that's kind of the issue with Carr from fantasy. So. Um, all right. I, uh, most of my viewing, um, other than the Bengals game was in the four o'clock slate once I got back. So, uh, I watched quite a bit of this Browns chargers game and it was awesome. Uh, Browns lose 42 to 47 in Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of Browns fans as always, not much of a home field advantage for the chargers, but, um, it, it was an incredible game. Um, the, the chargers basically just decided that they were going to go for, go, go for it on every fourth down on the second half. I mean, it was just like fourth and nine, go for it. Fourth and seven, go for it. It was pretty cool to watch. It was like someone playing Madden basically. Uh, it was, it was, it was a blast. Um, and then of course the Browns are keeping up with their Brown stuff, just feeding the running backs. Um, they broke a couple big plays, but uh, it, it was a wild, I mean, you got 80, 89 points scored here. You had some missed kicks, just all kinds of drama here. So um, Justin Herbert is legit. Um, I, I, I can't even argue that, you know, Joe Burrow's better than him at this point. I mean, it, Herbert is just a freak and he's going to be around a long time. 398 yards, four touchdowns, uh, just bombing the ball out. I mean, he's just super talented, he even ran for a touchdown. So um, really not a whole lot we even need to say about Herbert anymore. He's He's the real deal. Um, Eckler looked good. Um, he's a little sloppy with the ball. He lost, uh, well, he lost one fumble and fumbled another time, but, uh, he looked really good. 66 yards rushing and two rushing touchdowns. I mean, if he's going to get rushing touchdowns, he's got, he's having a monster year. Um, and then he gets five for 53 and a touchdown in the passing game. So, um, other than that though, it's a continuation of the Mike Williams breakout, uh, 16 targets, eight catches, 165 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and he's just playing a totally different role this year as he has in the past. Um, he had a 72-yard touchdown, uh, monster play, uh, just completely uncovered. And he out-targeted Keenan Allen for the second game this season. So, uh, yeah, it, it, Keenan Allen's still good. Nine targets, 75 yards receiving. But uh, Williams, on some weeks now, is the number one. It's going to rotate here some. But um, I, I think it hurts Keenan a little bit. But this offense is just so good that it, it's not going to matter. Keenan Allen's going to have his good weeks. So, other than that, it's pretty nice. They've kind of consolidated everything to Williams and Allen and Eckler and uh, – you know, Donald Parham had a touchdown, um, but, you know, other than getting the tight ends involved, it's, it's mainly those three. So uh, really good offense. Really excited to see them all year. Uh, any reason for you to be skeptical, like not skeptical, but like expect maybe some regression here? Or is this just one of the league's best offenses now? Yeah, I, I think Herbert's that good. Um, yeah, I do too. There was, there was a question about, you know, if you were starting a franchise – and you could pick any one player in the league, who would you start with? And Jimmy Johnson, I think, got some flack for saying Justin Herbert. But I, I don't think he's wrong. I don't think he's crazy to say that name. I think, you know, you could say Herbert, Allen, or Mahomes, and that's pretty much your, your go-to first name off the board. 
Yep. Um, but I, I think any of those three makes a lot of sense. I think Herbert looks legit. He's killed it. I was a big doubter when he was drafted. I, I laughed at the Chargers fans because they were all miserable because they took Herbert and they were like, this is horrible. Next 10 years is going to be terrible. And we all thought it. Like, we all believed the scouts on this one, and we were wrong. We were dead wrong. Herbert yep. is just killing it. Um, here's my big question on this team. Rest of season, you get to draft one and add him to your team right now, Mike Williams or Keenan Allen? <laughs> so, yeah, that's the question. And like I said before the show, I was actually a little surprised. I thought maybe Williams had out-targeted Keenan Allen more than just twice this year. But Keenan is getting most of the targets three out of five weeks. Um, it's awfully tough though. I mean, Mike Williams is scoring the touchdowns. Um, he's a big play threat. I, I think in the past we loved Keenan Allen cause he was like the safety blanket, but I don't know that Herbert needs the safety blanket. So is it crazy to say Mike Williams? I, I, I hate to ride this hot stretch here and, and, you know, kind of throw out everything we thought during the off season, but it might be Mike Williams now. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like when it's one or two games, yeah, I kind of just say everyone overreacts and wants to live in the moment. But this is four out of five games. Williams has killed it. Like four out of five weeks, you'd say that is a wide receiver one, not on a team, but like in the league. Yeah. Like you take away week four against the Raiders and every other week he has killed it. He has put up a legit stud week. Yeah, it's such a bizarre stat line looking at all the rest of them. It's one catch for four yards or one catch for 11 yards on four targets. All the others are, you know, he's got – six touchdowns in the other four weeks. So uh, yeah, that I think that was the blip on the radar there. So yeah, Mike Williams is crushing it. Um, wide receiver one rest away. Um, so yeah, I don't know. This offense just looks great. And uh, it, it, I don't know. I, I, I would even be interested in some of the secondary players. If any of them start stepping up like Parham at tight end uh, Guyton. I, I don't think Guyton's ever going to quite get there, but uh, Herbert is able to find everyone. You can kind of see the difference between him and Burrow, just the arm strength and the size, like, Herbert can buy time in the pocket and then just fire a laser like to the other side of the field, kind of off balance. And Burrow's not quite there. That's that's the difference in their games. And he's just got a crazy arm, Herbert does. So a lot of fun to watch this one. Uh, the Brown side of things, like I don't want to sound negative here because they put up 42 points. So this is still a really good team, really good offense. But they kind of – they just have their one style of play. I mean, it's all going to go through the running backs and tight ends and – I don't think they really have a gear to switch to to get like the receivers involved at this point. Um, Nick Chubb, 21 carries, 161 yards. He was ripping off 50-yard runs. Uh, Kareem Hunt gets two touchdowns, played in the red zone a lot. Um, also had five catches. But uh, Odell Beckham, just two catches for 20 yards on three targets. Um, it just, I, don't, I would not have much hope for the receivers in this passing game. It's just all tight ends and running backs. And um, David Njoku, big game, seven targets, seven receptions, 149 yards and a touchdown. I will say he had one big play on some pretty poor tackling. That was a 71-yard touchdown. But still, um, I think Njoku is worth an add if you're tight end desperate. Um, I don't know if it's going to stick every week, but uh, he's got big playability, and there aren't a lot of tight ends that can say that. So, But otherwise, I mean, I, this, we know what this team is. It's all about the running game, and I just I don't think it's going to change. They're, they're doing too well with this formula. So um, I don't know. Is there... Am I too down on Odell Beckham here? Or is it kind of like this just doesn't kind of work on this team with him? Yeah, it's it's ugly. Um, we've been, we, I feel like we've made, as a fantasy community, a lot of excuses for him for kind of a while now where it's like, no, it'll be fine. He's just hurt. Or no, it's, he's just getting used to the new team. I, I think we just have to admit it, it's it's over. He's getting older. He hasn't shown it in a while. The, those glory days are a long since past. Um 
it's it's sad because we all remember the kid who caught that ball that like the whole world stopped and watched. Yeah. And that doesn't happen often in sports, but yeah, it, it seems like he's done. He might get a Randy Mount, Randy Moss kind of bounce back if he goes to a new team, but he needs a new location. Yeah. He needs a team where he has to buy in, you know, kind of like a Patriots thing where he, they'll just, they'll just throw him out if he's not doing what he's supposed to. And he has to, you know, buy in and want one more run. And if he gets that, if he somehow gets off this team and onto a new team, it's willing to throw, has a good quarterback, an established coach that he can listen to. Maybe, maybe he's got one more chance, but I'm, I am like, he's in the doorway just about out. Yeah. And I mean, last week, if Baker had missed him on two throws, maybe we're talking a little differently here. He could add a couple touchdowns, a big play. I mean, I don't think he's like toast or anything, but like, I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones had six targets, five catches for 70 yards. Like that's, he got a big play. Like we need some big plays out of Beckham and it's just not happening. And three targets, they're obviously not going out of their way to get them the ball. So um, again, like it's just, it's working what they're doing. So I don't think this is going to change anytime soon. It's when you put up 42, even though you lost, it wasn't the offense's fault. So, um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, they run for 230 yards as a team and uh, start, start Chubb and Hunt every week. Cause they're, they're, they're crushing it right now. This Chargers run defense is pretty bad. They had some pretty poor effort on a few of these big runs. So, <laughs> I would start anyone running the ball against the Chargers, but their pass defense is pretty good generally. So, um, yeah, other than that, I think most of this kind of went as expected. It was just a, a wild game, but it was a lot of fun to watch. So, yeah, um, if, I, if, if I had to guess the end of season outcome for the Browns, they'll somehow pull off an upset against like one of Kansas City, Buffalo, Los Angeles, one of those teams. They'll pull off the upset and everyone will get all excited and be like, is this Browns team going to do it? Yeah. And then they'll lose the next game by like 30 because they can't score that many. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, I mean, the defenses look good before this week. Um, they didn't have Jadavian Clowney this week, but still, uh, you know, they, they should have been able to hold them a little lower than 47. So uh, they, they got some work to do, but talented team. They'll be right in it till the end of the regular season anyway. Um, all right, let's get to, uh, for some reason, you watched a lot of this Titans-Jaguars game. So first of <laughs> all, uh, why? Uh, Titans win 37 to 19. Um, what are your takeaways of this game, though? Yeah, so I was curious to see some uh, Trevor Lawrence, and yeah. I, I saw some good. I'm not going to say it was great. I, obviously, he, he's been a little overhyped, you know, the kid who was the golden child all the way from high school coming to college and then coming to the pros. And I think, like, this draft, we all more than most drafts, this was like an Andrew Luck kind of draft where we were like, oh, my God, they just got the prize. It's yeah. the guy. I remember watching games with Jets fans last year. And they were like, they were like in near tears of like, we won a game. What is wrong with us? We just blew it. Like this was our future and it's gone. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was good. He had some good throws. It wasn't great, but there's, there's a lot to grow on here. Um, the bigger thing for me was seeing James Robinson in the backfield. He was really dominating. Um, he got most of the carries. Carlos Hyde, about half his work came after Robinson's big run. And it was just to spell Robinson, you know, give him a little rest so he could come back in. And Robinson came back in and then got the touchdown. So Hyde almost vultured him, but he just couldn't punch it in the end zone. And Robinson came in and and did the big boy work. Um, Passing game-wise, not a whole lot here. LaVisca Chenault had one big catch, and he literally only had that one catch. Um, So it really, really, really saved his day to get that – Tavon Austin had a little work. Dan Arnold, as you mentioned earlier, had a good bit of work here. Um, otherwise, not too much, I think, worth mentioning. It's, again, we hope James Robinson keeps this heavy load. 
We hope he keeps Carlos Hyde at bay. And that's that's all we can really hope for from this offense until Lawrence fully gets up to speed. Yeah, I, I think there's a couple encouraging things from a fantasy perspective. Just uh, he was QB eight this week. It was kind of a down week for quarterback. And I mean, we still got Sunday night going on and Monday night to go as well. But um, he has been running the ball more. Um, he said like last three games, six carries, eight carries, seven carries. It was only seven for 28 this week, but he did run one in. Um, so if they're going to keep doing that, that's going to help. I think that could translate to some more yards eventually. And, you know, rushing touchdowns are a big boost, obviously. So, um, although this has been a pretty good schedule he's played, so maybe this is as good as it gets, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I keep wanting to buy into Trevor Lawrence, but it's just as bad as that coaching staff is right now. It's hard to, um, I was reading about Chenault that, uh, since DJ Chark is out now for the year, they're playing him outside a lot more, um, which I would be concerned about at first because I would think he profiles more as a slot receiver and it didn't go so well today, but he does have some deep speed and maybe this could open him up to get some deeper plays if he's playing outside. So he's going to be interesting to watch going forward, just to see what his new role is like, if he can adapt to it. Sometimes you change these slot guys out to the outside that does not go well. So we'll have to see how Chenault does, but I think it is a little bit of a change of a role now that Chark's gone. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's, it's fair for this team to say that they're distracted because, okay, that the Urban Meyer thing, you can't avoid it and you can't escape it. And you know every one of those players is being asked about it every time they're interviewed. Yeah. Um, whereas I said the Raiders one, I don't really buy it. It kind of feels, you know, like a little bit like brewed up just to kind of explain away some losses. This Jacksonville one, yeah, I think that's on the players' minds. And I think it's, all right, here's our new head coach who's supposed to lead us into the future. And now he's probably going to get fired before the season's even over. And yeah. that's that's a lot to handle if you're a rookie quarterback. If, if Trevor Lawrence fails, I think we're going to come back and look at this moment and be like, well, it all started when Urban Meyer couldn't last a season. And all of a sudden, Trevor had four offensive coordinators in four years, and yep. it was a mess. Um, but, yeah, that, that it's a good point about the running. It is good to see that. He, he's mobile. He's a big, good athlete. So, yeah. All right. And then Tennessee side, I mean, this is just – it's all Derrick Henry at this point. Um, is there anything else to take away other than uh, – maybe it's time to just move on from Ryan Tannehill or uh, what did you think about Tannehill in this game? Yeah. I've always thought Tannehill was a bit of a one trick pony and that this team leans super heavy on the play action. They know Derrick Henry is an incredibly intimidating like force in the backfield. And so all they have to do is just run it 17 times and then pretend to run it and throw it. And most of the time that's going to be open because you're so worried about Henry that you don't really care what Tannehill does. Um, yeah, I, this is not a passing game that threatens me. The Titans feel a lot like the Browns and that the passing game can work and occasionally it'll put up some nice numbers and you're like, oh, is that is that Ryan Tannehill guy back to back to his old tricks? Yeah. And in reality, I think it's just, all right, if you took Henry away from this team, they would collapse so fast because nobody would be afraid of the run and Tannehill would just, you know, get ripped apart. Yep. All right, A.J. Brown makes it back. No Julio. Um, A.J. Brown only six targets, 38 yards. I, I'm guessing he probably – he looked okay, just, you know, game script wasn't great here. And maybe next week we're looking better. Yeah, I, I think it's it's game script. I think it's, you know, bring him back slowly. He He's a mega talent. He's one of those guys that you, you bring back slowly because you know how good he is and you won't risk him. So – and I look like anyone else stepping up here, the secondary receivers. So um, Jeremy McNichols uh, drops down. He had 12 targets last week and he had two this week. So um, I, I think that was game script again. So I think that's probably about it from this game. You got any, any last thoughts here? Nah, Jaguars still win for the uh, ugliest color scheme and ugliest uniforms in the league. So they, at least they always win that. 
Yeah, I think they're due for a rebrand, aren't they? Um, <laughs> they could uh, they could change that up. They don't have a long tradition, so you might as well have fun with it and change the uniforms around. So, yeah, I'm on board with that. Let's let's get new uniforms for Jacksonville. Yeah, do a fan competition and like winning fan vote. That's just the jersey for the week. And yeah. if nobody likes it, you just do it again next week until you find something that works. Perfect. All right. Well, those are the the games we went deep into. We got a, a couple quick hitters just from these games. They're, they're actually a lot of like pretty the top of the leaderboard, especially running back, it's kind of all the players you would think they were there. So there wasn't a lot of groundbreaking stuff this week, but uh, it did stand out. Adam Thielen, uh, three targets, two catches for 40 yards. Um, are you concerned with Thielen? Um, is this the start of like Jefferson taking over and Thielen kind of taking a back seat, or is this just kind of a one week flip? Yeah, I think we all, once we saw Justin Jefferson first take the field and start playing, we all, I think we all knew like, okay, he's the number one. Thielen's the number two. Thielen might catch more touchdowns, but let's not be crazy. Je- Jefferson's the better player. And Thielen really lost out on the volume this week. Um, he only saw three targets. And if he's going to see that kind of targets, yeah, he's he's not usable because he's just a touchdown threat. If he's not catching touchdowns, he's he doesn't have a lot of value. And luckily, he catches a lot of touchdowns. He's got four already on the year. Yep. Um, but he's been blanked two weeks in a row. I think the good thing for him is that as Jefferson just destroys opponents, they're going to have to lean on him and double cover him. And it's going to open Thielen back up for his red zone looks. So I think we're going to kind of see a seesaw here where Jefferson kills a team. The next team prepares for Jefferson and Thielen catches a touchdown or two. Then they prepare for Thielen and Nick back to Jefferson and kind of just back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he had seven or more targets in all the games before this week. So this was, this was a bit of an outlier here, but um, yeah, against the lions, you were certainly hoping for a lot more. So uh, it's, it's, oh, yeah. a, it's a disappointing game, but yeah, I mean, like you said, he's going to score touchdowns. So I, I think he's wide receiver too, but uh, maybe not going to be a wide receiver one for him. If you drafted that, if you drafted him that way. So, right. Um, yeah. Okay. And then uh, you had some thoughts on the Pittsburgh offense here. Uh, I, I don't know. I think, we probably all overreacted to how bad Ben Roethlisberger is. He's still probably not very good, but there's still some fantasy usefulness in this offense. So what do you think about Pittsburgh? Yeah, as you said, everybody was kind of worried he was completely toast, and he clearly is on the decline. It, like He's one of those guys where I feel like he's kind of farvish, where announcers just love him. And like you know, if you get him on the Sunday night game, NBC will just gush about him for like hours and be like, oh, he's just the best thing ever. You know, He's, he's as great as a Philly cheesesteak. And it, like, it's just not that way anymore. And even they can't gush about him. They're, they want to, but he just doesn't have these throws he used to. And you can tell the end is very, very near. And I think Pittsburgh is, is the kind of team that's going to make a run at Aaron Rodgers because they put him in this, on this team and you have Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. And you've suddenly got a Super Bowl team. Yeah. With Big Ben here, you've got an okay team. Like, that's the difference. And I think Rodgers wants exactly what Brady has. I think he wants this this team that's ready to go, ready to win. He can just come in and, you know, bring them over the top. Um, but the, the big worries here is there was a couple big plays. Uh, Deontay Johnson had an early 50-yard reception for a touchdown. Chase Claypool had a big 59-yarder. You take away a couple big plays, and Ben really didn't do much at all. And this offense is not looking good, and they probably lose this game. Um, granted those big plays did happen, but yeah, this, this was a fragile outcome and that that's not a good thing. I feel like this Steelers team of old would have killed this Broncos team. And now it's like, they're, they're lucky to get away with that win. 
I do think it is encouraging, at least, that they were able to run the ball finally. Uh, Najee Harris, 23 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he's a beast for fantasy purposes, although he, he only had two catches. He still saw five targets, though. But uh, Chase Claypool, five for 130 and a touchdown. Deontay, shockingly, only two targets. But, hey, he got a 50-yard touchdown. So I, I think it's going to be a little up and down with Roethlisberger. Uh, if Smith-Schuster misses a little time, that'll help free up some work, though, for those receivers. So uh, I think you're still starting all these guys, Harris, Claypool, Johnson. It's just uh, – it's going to be tough to trust every week. So, um, but yeah, Roethlisberger not done yet, but he's, he's, he's real close. <laughs> yep. Um, all right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps everything up. Um, yeah. I mean, we had a surprising miles Gaskin performance. Um, like we said, he is RB two, <laughs> um, 10, 10 catches and two touchdowns will do it. Um, but other than that, you look at the running back leaders, it's Eckler, it's Henry, it's Camara, it's Madison, it's, Hunt, Zeke. So there's pretty by the book game as far as running back goes. So um, yeah, I, I think we can proceed hopefully with a relatively normal week here. We'll see how these last two games wrap up. But yeah, thanks for listening to us, everyone. Again, please check out QBList.com. Uh, check out the What We Saw article for all the game takeaways. Uh, we'll be on Reddit answering all your questions. If you want to join us on uh, our fantasy football, we're always around. Have a great time there. So yeah, hope, uh, hope y'all are at least in a, on the way to a winning record, your fantasy teams. Uh, if not, we'll try to help get you there, though. And I'll talk to you next time.